Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Good morning, Thrive. Well, if you uh, if you didn't weren't woke up, you should be now, right? Uncommon, <laughs> and that is actually the message this morning. And the whole point, the whole point is, we want you to invite, invite like crazy to Easter. Easter Thrive is amazing, and God's gonna move. Uh, but the truth is, I can't, I can't win the world. This church can't grow based on a pastor, and if it does, it falls based on a pastor. The church is God's people. We will grow when you go. That's it. It's that simple. Now, that being said, I get rejected. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> Welcome to the family. That's all right. You're going to get rejected, but they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. It's not you they're rejecting. They're rejecting the Lord which is so much worse. God doesn't ask you to bring people. God asks you to invite, right? Bring them to a day that they're going to hear the gospel and have a blast. And man, when you have a blast, you're so much that much more open to hearing the gospel. And not only that, if you do it creative enough and you post it, as Kimmy said, you want a gift card. Pretty cool, right? That's pretty cool. So let's do it. Let's set records this year. Uh, Speaking of being uncommon, um, there was a guy in World War II, a Lutheran pastor. Not Lutheran like we mean today. Lutheran often today is is very nominal term. What it, it means very little to some people, right? What are you? I'm Lutheran. Oh, do you go to church? No, I haven't been in 20 years, right? But I was confirmed. Ah, great. Confirmed in what? I don't really know. You know, <laughs> that's usually the conversation. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's basically Catholic light, you know, now, or, or, or just the other side of it. Very, simil- very similar, right? It doesn't mean a lot, but, but a little over 60 years ago, it still meant a lot. And in the 1930s and 40s, it was, an evangel- it was the evangelical church in much of the world. Specifically, it was in Germany. But as the Nazis took over the country and so on the world, the church just caved in and capitulated over and over. Every ounce that the Nazi party took towards the country and said, you can't talk about this, you can't deal with that, you have to be on board with us with this, the pastors just went along with it. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran pastor and theologian who just said, no, wake up, what are we doing? You're you're literally giving away Christ for the culture. You're giving away the gospel for a place in society. He he screamed at the church, and he's considered a martyr for the faith. And he said this about about, uh, his time speaking to the Lutheran church. He said, if I sit next to a madman as he drives a car into a group of innocent bystanders, I can't, as a Christian, simply wait for the catastrophe then comfort the wounded and bury the dead. 
I must try to wrestle the steering wheel out of the hands of the driver. A lot of people don't know this, but Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he wrestled with this a lot. Anybody here ever seen the movie Valkyrie with Tom Cruise? It's about the assassination attempt on, on Adolf Hitler where they tried to bomb him and kill him. It was part of that plot. Now Christians say, you can't do that. But he watched the slaughtering of Jews and many other people, evangelical Christians. And he was in war in his spirit. Is this right or is it wrong? Even after the failed attempt, he wrestled with it. Was this right or was I wrong? And then eventually he was imprisoned. In Nazi. Matter of fact, he fled Nazi Germany, came to the States, and after one, I think a year, said, no, I, I can't do this. I need to go back. I need to stand with my people, the church of my nation, which got him in prison just two weeks before the war was over. He was hung. Men like that are uncommon. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul challenges the church to stop being common. Stop being culturized. Stop being like everybody and everything else. Because God has something so much better. Now we would look at Dietrich Bonhoeffer and right now we would consider him a failure. We have pastors in the church mocking other pastors who stood up against lockdowns. Why? Because those pastors who are criticizing are common. They have a large platform and no depth. And I'll be honest, they make me angry and they make me sick. I'm furious at so many leaders in the church who I listened to for years. I read their books. I went to their conferences. I've been in ministry 25 years. I'm not new. And the guys I loved and looked up to the most have become the most common castrated, cowardly men of God I've ever seen. I'm not talking about their eternity. I don't get to sit in that spot. But I am saying right now, they're a joke. We need to be a church that is uncommon. I am guilty myself of saying, you know, without a building, will we ever fill in the blank? I believe God has that for us, and we're moving towards it every single day. You can ask. (laughs) Michelle knows. (laughs) We're working our tail off. We're trying. We are working on it. Okay? But that being said, let's stop limiting God by the common. Anybody here tired of seeing an empty seat? Then let's become uncommon and fill them with everything we got. Say, well, it's not for everybody. We are not a church for everybody. but We are a church for anybody. Who was the guy who preached sinners in the hands of an angry God? Anybody remember his name? Jonathan Edwards. Started the, was that the first or the second Great Awakening? First, right? Jonathan Edwards wrote a sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. You can read it today because he wrote it out. And he went to his church and he preached this message and it was the beginning of either the first or the second Great Awakening in the, in the, in the country. But he so intentionally 
preached it in a bland way so as not to evoke emotion. He intentionally taught it in a very monotone way that wouldn't make anybody stirred by his inflection. And by the way, back then they had no lights, sound, <laughs> no cool transitions, no guys in football helmets, right? They didn't have any of that. And he preaches this message, sinners in the hands of an angry God. And what falls on the people is so intense. It says they were gripping the pews, feeling the flames of hell, screaming, and then pouring themselves out in repentance. And it was boring, and it was wrote out, and there was no cool music. Hillsong didn't exist yet. <laughs> how was that possible? Because it isn't about how cool and awesome we are. The gospel still works. The Holy Spirit still moves, and God is just waiting on his people to go and become uncommon. Paul compares this church in Corinth to the people, to the Israelites in the desert. And as he does so, he begins to say they fell into sin just over and over. They've seen God do great miracles, and they keep falling into sin. And if you have your Bibles, go to verse 12 in chapter 10. If you think that you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he'll show you a way out so that you can endure. The NIV says it this way, and I want you to hear it. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. Sin is common. Everybody does it. Very few people choose the uncommon. Very few people choose holiness. Now, I'm not talking about the old-time Pentecostal holiness that beats everybody up and nobody can live up to, including the preacher. I'm talking about a holiness with grace that empowers me to live that way and changes my wants and desires to, but also a holiness that says, I'm going to say no to some things, and I'm actually going to feel good about it. Sin is common, and we have made every type of excuse, just like the church of Corinth did, and just like the Israelites did, on why it's okay for us. And Paul rebukes it and says, it's not okay, and it's not abnormal. None of our sins are unique and special. Well, you don't understand my situation, Pastor Brian. You're right. I'm not Jesus. I don't know your stuff. But Jesus does, and he just said, not special. <laughs> Sin is sin. It's not new. But our victim culture has made excuses for sin because we all believe our situation is special to validate it or at least excuse it. Leave that up for a second. So I believe in counseling 100%. I think it's great. I've done some of it. Okay? I believe in psychology. I think there's great value there. I also think there is such a victim culture that embraced so much psychology that now we have reasons and excuses to do and say whatever we want, and therefore, 
in a deceptive way, we think we don't need to answer to God for our behavior. It will destroy us. We think God will understand. Just talking with somebody this week. Several people, marriages were in trouble. The thing about the troubled marriage is you don't answer to God for what your spouse did. You answer to God for what you did. You won't answer to God for how the teacher treated you. You'll answer to God for how you responded. You won't, you won't answer to God for how bad your father and your mother were. You will answer to God for who you were. Notice nowhere in the Bible it says his dad was kind of a jerk, so we understood him stoning seven people. <laughs> like, it doesn't say that, right? It doesn't go into, let's unpack Samson's struggles. I blame it on his mom, because she stopped breastfeeding too soon. <laughs> like, it doesn't say that. Why? Because it, it knows it doesn't need to. It's foolishness. Is there value in discovering the roots of things and, and getting counsel and professional help? 100%. The only problem is there are counselors, even Christian counselors today, who won't counsel forgiveness. They only counsel excavation. Let's dig it all up and then examine it. But very few say, now let's move forward. We're doing it in our culture. We're tearing it all down. Let's examine it. Why? Well, part of it's pop psychology. Part of it's academia. Part of it's just pop culture. We're going to destroy. We're going to tear down all the foundations of this society. Why? Well, because there was sin in it. <laughs> then we should kill you too, shouldn't we? Because you sin, we all sin. We all sin. We all fall short. So what are we going to do? It's common. If we're going to tear down every culture that has evil in their past, no culture can ever exist. Doesn't mean we can't fix, correct, straighten out, improve. But then there comes a point where it says, you know, we're actually just navel-gazing and we're not resolving anything. I'll be honest with you, one of my struggles, every leader has their struggles, just so you know. If you don't know this, I'm going to tell you this. Every leader on the planet has their struggles. Leaders of big things, if, if, if you don't believe that, I, apparently you don't watch the news, right? But it's true in church too. You're like, no, Pastor Brian, you do no wrong. <laughs> oh, bless your heart. It's just not like every person, every leader has their struggles. And I worked for several pastors. I used to travel the country and minister in churches. And every one of them has their stuff. I've, I've worked for some of them. They, they literally just lied all the time. How could they be in ministry? I don't know. How could David be in ministry? How could Moses? How could Noah? How could Paul? I mean, because, because God, God uses broken people. That is to say, God uses people. And they all sin and they all fall short. One of the things I fall short in sometimes, I, I will struggle with anxiety Insecurity, depression, they're all kind of mixed together. And I'll get discouraged. This past week, I was discouraged. Why? I'd give you a thousand reasons. None of them were good enough, though. None of them were good enough to stay there until I had to pick myself up and say, I could stay here, but I'm solving nothing. Get up. 
time to get up and become uncommon. Was it okay to feel my feelings for a moment? Of course it is. Is it okay to discover why I'm feeling that way? Sure. Some of us, you won't move on until you do that, which is the benefit of counseling and psychology. The unfortunate thing, though, is some people go to that point and they discover the why, but then they don't move forward from there. They just stay at the why. That becomes sin. Because you turned it into pride. It's just an inverted pride. Obvious sins in our culture today. Open sexuality. These are sins that we all know about. Alcoholism, rage, murder, drug abuse. Most people would agree this is bad. Somebody cuts you off and you try to shoot them, that's not good, right? You're like, oh, that's my moment. You shouldn't, okay? Maybe don't have a gun right now, okay? We would all say, but there's some less obvious sins, right? These are ones that are common that we won't talk about and we won't look at. Pride is one of them. Me first, my retirement, my future, my kids, my story. We just sing it. It's all about Jesus. Jesus over everything. What the Holy Spirit's told me. That's the worst thing. Let me tell you, as a pastor, one of the worst things we like to hear is God told me and then some horrible idea after it. (laughs) God told me to move to, you know, Venezuela to escape the oncoming apocalypse. I don't think he did. And uh, we'll see you in six months. That's often, you know, not always, but it, it does happen. God told me to leave my spouse. No, he didn't. Uh-uh-uh. Nope, he didn't. No, because my situation, okay, again, you, you just, you're trying to make an excuse what is common unforgiveness unforgiveness is a common sin we call it processing but if it's been three years seven years 12 years and you're still processing you're not you're an unforgiveness I'm not asking you to lie if somebody hurt you You don't have to lie about it. You don't have to never talk about it. You don't ignore it. But you also don't live in it. Talk about it all the time and hold it over them. There is pretty much nobody in my life who I can't say hello to if I see them. I had a cousin who molested me when I was a kid. Won't hang out with him, but I can say hello to him, pray for him. Because you have to walk in forgiveness. Why? Because what I did to Jesus is so much worse than what he did to me. I don't just believe that to be the truth. Lust is a really common one. We literally walk around with pornography machines in our pockets 24-7. It's rough. I don't like it. And yet it's also like, how do we function without it? It's rough. 
It's hidden sin. We need to move away from it. It's common. I find it funny that this age of Me Tooism, pornography is the biggest it's ever been in human trafficking, the worst it's ever been. Why? Because of things like OnlyFans. Don't look it up. If you need to know, ask me later. Lying. There are people who just lie. For no reason, they just lie. Common. You're not special. Your situation's not unique. Don't do it. Depression and anxiety. That's not sin, Pastor Brian. Not always. But it can be. It can be if you take that on as who you are in your identity. That is a sin. The Bible says you are a saint. You are holy and dearly loved. You are a child of God. You are wanted. You are made in the image of the Father. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and all his works are wonderful. So if you believe, well, I'm just in, I'm just in depression. You can have depression without it having you. How do I know the difference? Well, Number one, if you're putting one foot in front of the other, you're probably overcoming it. Now, if you've been through a lot of trials, anybody here been through a lot of trials? Put your hands up. Put your hand up, Jimena. Come on. <laughs> All right. If you've been through a lot of trials, we are prone to depression and or anxiety. Because it messes with our brain. And it creates neural pathways that cause reactions of fear, that cause reactions of discouragement. But here's the thing. The Bible is the word of God. It says renew your mind daily with it. And what, do, what happens? You literally create new neural pathways saying, no, this is who I am. This is what I think. And eventually, your emotions, your feelings, your nervous system will follow. But it means being uncommon means doing what others want. If you don't believe God will deliver you from this pain or this problem or this persistent sin, you don't believe the word of God. He is a deliverer. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some people, I believe this. Now, some people don't believe this, okay? But I believe to be wholly theological, and W-H-O, Holy theological. There are some people, the Lord says, I'm not going to fix that, but my grace is going to be enough. Some people don't agree with that. That's okay. But I am telling you, all right? Okay, Paul had some kind of persistent problem. Don't know what it was, okay? Whatever it is, something's either going to keep coming against you or you may not overcome it. Somebody may not overcome blindness, but is God still good? Can they still serve him? Yeah. And his grace will be enough. Can he heal you? Yes, he can. Will he? I believe he wants to. And one day, one, one day somehow, yes, he will. This side of heaven or the next, he will heal you. But no matter what, he's good. And his grace will be enough. All right, moving on. Verse 19, he goes on to say, what am I trying to say? 
Am I saying that food offered to idols has some significance or that idols are real gods? No, not at all. I'm saying these sacrifices are offered to demons, not God, and I don't want you to participate with demons. You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You can't eat at the Lord's table and the table of demons too. He's talking about commonality of darkness. Darkness and demons are everywhere. They are common. They're in all the things, often. They're in things that look good. And notice he says here, and this is one thing that frustrated me over the last few years. What do we have to do with the deeds of darkness? Like, we're, we're not partners. You say, well, you know, I'm just going out and holding up a sign. Yeah, but some of those guys holding signs are now breaking windows and starting fires. Well, I, I'm not doing that. Well, yeah, but you're hanging out with who's doing that. What do we have to do with that? Nothing. We have no part in that. We don't join the deeds of darkness. The world is probably in the worst shape I've ever seen it in in my lifetime by a long shot. Anybody agree with that? Maybe if you disagree, we can talk later. Somewhere, no, civil war was there. I'm just saying in my lifetime. I'm not saying ever, right? We aren't at a world war right now. Some are convinced it's going to happen. Some are like it's not. I don't know. I don't know the future. I'm really glad to not know the future. Okay? We can't join the demonic. But we have to be wise about the idea of gray and nuance. So many people over the last 10 years or so of church culture have said, what about the gray? What about the nuance? I agree with that to a point. But why not error in the, error in the realm of holiness and righteousness that the Bible says is true? Why not error there? The truth is we're never going to figure out all the things. It's just not going to happen. At the end of the day, just get back to the gospel. Tell people about Jesus. Make him known. <coughs> Follow him. That's it. Don't overcomplicate it. There are days when I just, I've gotten overwhelmed about pastoring and church and what do I do and how do we do this and what. And eventually the Lord says, Matthew 20, 28, share the gospel. Tell people about Jesus. Win the law. Baptize them. We got baptism coming up on Easter. If you've not been baptized, man, come on. Get it done. <laughs> Get it done. And if you're like, well, I was when I was, you know, three and a half. Like, good for you. You know, I was when I was a baby. That's, that's great. This doesn't undo this, okay? But maybe you need a moment of rededication. Let's do it. Do it. Get it done. Get serious. Lord, I'm giving you everything. Here we go. Come on. Come on, common. One of the things he's saying in these verses is just because it's popular doesn't mean it's God. Just because it draws crowds doesn't mean Christ is in it. Where crowds go may actually not be where Jesus is. So this past couple of weeks, you can Google it. I mean, uh, I, I, I'm going to say a name, but I'm not because I'm trying to besmirch their name. 
I think Hillsong has done a lot of great things. I think a lot of what's happening to Brian Houston is probably unfounded. It's an extremely secular, anti-Christ nation that one parliament member of Australia openly said, I've been trying to take Hillsong down for years. Like, that's nice. That's unbiased. <laughs> but that being said, one of the things about large platforms, big names, gives way, gives way to pride. And it, it just came out in the last few weeks, a lot of documents. Basically, you know, they're guest speakers. 100 grand speaking for a weekend. Staff are making millions. They spent tens of thousands of dollars on meals out and food and honorariums. Is that a kingdom mindset? Not really. No, we know that's out of balance. We can look at that. Am I here condemning them? No. It in that sense? Yeah. It's wrong. But it's common. We can all do it. Just because a crowd's there doesn't mean God's in all of it. It doesn't mean God's not in any of it either. I'm going to say something that will not, you're going to need to take this one home. God is using it is akin to, and this is not a slam on Hillsong, because I think God is in Hillsong. We, I really do love Hillsong. We're going to keep singing their songs. I'm not interested in that. Okay, But there are other churches. There are other pastors. Hillsong's not one of them. There are churches, and if I said their names, some of you would be offended that I'm putting them down, and I would say a lot of what they do is empty. God is using it is the Christian way of saying the ends justify the means. Balaam's donkey was used by God, but I don't want to be in an A. Do <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I want to be close to God. I want to hear his voice when he calls my name. I want to be uncommon. I want to be responsive to his voice and say, yes, Lord, what are you doing? Where are you going? I want to do what other people won't do. What's common might be corrupt. What's popular might be poison. What everyone loves might be what kills everybody. Right now, the whole culture is on board with open sexuality. Transsexuality, like it is being endorsed literally from the White House. The Rachel Levine, who is a man, works in, just said this past week, it's just a matter of time. Works in the White House, in the, in the cabinet of this presidency, who is a man, said child mutilation or child surgery will be normalized in our lifetime. It's common and it's killing us. It's evil. Is that person evil? Yes! He is evil. Does God love him? Yes. And he could be redeemed. Both things can be true at the same time. Without Jesus, we are evil. We are not good without God. We are common. We are like everybody else. The spirit of the age is evil. And I'm not here trying to pound on culture. But our culture is evil. 
We are lost. But man, where the greatest darkness lies, lies, the greatest light shines. Come on. Anybody here think Chicagoland needs some Jesus? <laughs> Anybody here think people might, be just, might just be willing to hear some truth now? Say, these are hard things. You couldn't just bring anybody to hear this message. I, I would tell you what, I think you're wrong. I think if you brought somebody to hear something maybe they didn't want to hear, they'd, be, they'd show some respect because they'd be like, you at least said the truth. You didn't lie to me. You didn't pull punches. You didn't try and deceive me or make me feel good about what I'm doing. All right, I'm going to stop. Some other things that might be common. Nelson Mandela was an amazing man. And he had some very broken views on some things. But he also had some great views. And one of the great views he had was forgiveness. Apartheid was a system where a white minority of the nation of South Africa ran the country and kept black people at second class, even though they were the large majority of the nation. It kept them in poverty. It kept them out of restaurants. And he was imprisoned for nearly 30 years because of it. And then when he got out, he corrected a good chunk of his view because some of his, some of his views were, we're going to do this by violence. His prison time changed that in him and said, this is wrong. So much so, when he finally got out, and then he was elected president, and throughout, the, and throughout the system of apartheid in his nation, as they wanted to burn, the, burn those people to the ground, he knew it would burn the country to the ground. And he taught this idea and integrated into the system forgiveness. We're not going to make them pay. We're not going to crush them. We're not going to make them pay us back. We're going to forgive. Nelson Mandela was teaching his people. He knew Jesus the Savior. That God's best in our nation, God's best is uncommon. And it is actually, unfortunately, it's uncommon those who choose God's best. Because God's best often doesn't look like the world's success. God's blessings often don't look like what the world considers blessing. We think an unbroken boulevard of green lights, large crowds, incredible wealth, Unbroken health means I'm blessed. It might. But men like that are the ones who change the world. Uncommon men are not the ones without adversity. Uncommon people are not the ones without struggle. It's what they did with struggle. It's what they said, God, bring it on. I will carry my cross and you do what only you can do. I'm just a man, I'm just a woman, but you're God. I can't face this, but you can. So going back to the first section, that verse that we said, no temptation is uh, overtaking you, which is common in that man, and God will always give you a way out. Some people, that is one of the most misinterpreted verses ever. They have changed it to God will never give you more than you could bear. 
That is not what that verse says, and you're a liar. You will face more than you can bear. That was talking about sin and temptation. God will not bring sin to your doorstep that he won't leave a way out of. But as far as circumstances and life that you can't, anybody here had more than you could bear ever? Yeah! (laughs) Of course you have. That verse never said God will never let you have more than you can bear. You will absolutely have more than you can bear. But our God is not a common God. He is uncommon. And calling us to be an uncommon people that says if you can't bear it, that's all right. God can. And watch what he does. God's best is uncommon. And good is often the enemy of the best. God's people are most deceived not by wild, open sin, but by what looks good and is less than God's best. Looking out for others, becoming a generous person. There are numerous people in this church that are incredibly financially generous, and they don't have to be. They could be more selfish. They could take more vacations. They could could spend it only on their kids. They could do any, and and you know why they're not? Because they're uncommon. They're not like this world. They don't use their wealth for themselves. Not to say that they don't have an inheritance for their kids and blessing for them, but they know it's not simply about that. It's not so my kids can go to 27 years of college and come out with 27 degrees and be worthless to the world. (laughs) There's value in degrees, I have some. Okay, but what is popular is not always always best. The uncommon, don't quit when everybody else does. The uncommon, help when there's a need. You know who's uncommon in our church? One of the groups, there are many. The uncommon, who was here at 6.30 this morning when it was exceptionally cold. There's fewer people here today than many weeks like six of us and here every single week pouring their lives up early they could go to the church that is large down the street better heating bigger kids programs 27 but they don't know they chose what's uncommon they chose the better thing the higher thing why is that better because thrives awesome okay keep going all right Stories. The uncommon steps of faith when other people won't. They believe God for something when other people won't. The uncommon will take action on things that if God doesn't come through, it'll fail. How many of you in your life said, I took such a step of faith and it was so uncommon that if God didn't do it, I would have been dead in the water. Okay, great. Some of you are like, I absolutely have done that. All right. When was the last time you did it? Do it again. Some of you, the uncommon thing for you is to not walk away, to not quit, to not leave, to not bail. We have, it's funny, several of you, numerous of you, are former park viewers. And then there's some choose the common route they're like I'm gonna go back and you know why 
I've never been given a good reason besides the fact that it's just more comfortable. Thank you for being uncommon. And I'm not slamming parking. I think they do a lot of great work. And they've done a lot of blessing and favors for us over many years. I'm not picking on them at church. I'm talking about some of the people. Not all the people. Some of the people. Relax. It's what's uncommon. Taking risks is uncommon. Sharing your faith is uncommon. Being generous is uncommon. Discipling someone is uncommon. The person who won't give up is uncommon. It's exceptional. It's what God is calling his people to. Don't be like the world. You don't have to hate the world, but don't be like them. They quit. They give up. They bail. They show up late. They jump in on moves of God at the tail end. Come on, come. Jump in on God. Don't believe and think what everybody else tells you to all the time. Just because CNN or Fox News said it doesn't mean it's true. Become uncommon. What does the word of God say? Don't belong to simply a party. Belong to Jesus first and solely. Become a father to the fatherless. Help somebody in addiction. See other people's needs. There's some single moms in our church. Man of God, find that young person and talk with that single mom. See if you can pour into his or her life. Become uncommon. See a need in Philip. I don't know how to play bass. Nathan today, God bless him. He plays numerous instruments. And today he comes up to me. He says, Dad, can I help with anything? I said, we don't have a bass player today. I've never played bass. Yeah, but you play other instruments. And he chose the, un- <laughs> yeah. I love it. But bass is acoustic for dummies, all right? <laughs> He's the only bass player here today. You can't be offended. <laughs> So, and he did. He stepped in to the uncommon thing. How many of us are choosing that in our life? I'm going to do what's unpopular, but I know it's godly. Last part. We're going to close. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I, too, try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what's best for me. I do what's best for others so that many may be saved. That first verse, though, whatever you do, eating, drinking, whatever, do it for the glory of God. God is honored in the uncommon. God is honored in those who say, I will honor God first with everything I say. He's going to be first. He's going to be why, how I make decisions. Some of you are good at saying, before I take that job, I'm going to pray about it. Good. That's great. Before you walk out the door to go to Starbucks, pray about it. I'm not talking about being weird where it's like, <laughs> am I praying enough? Okay, chill out. Take a deep breath. All right. But most of us, not all of us, most of us are more like, Oh, yeah, I prayed once a couple months ago. That was good. Right? Drove that point home. 
but becoming uncommon is a succession of growth in our life to say, Jesus over everything. Jesus is going to be why I do what I do. You know what, I don't, I don't, that hundred bucks, I feel like it was belonged to me, and man, I was, I was going to Dave and Buster's today, just have a time. But I know that person has a need, and I'm going to give it to them. Become uncommon. All right, I'm going to close with this. I'll see if I can get through it. Every church is going to have its ebb and flows and seasons where there's more and there's less, and that's fine. I made my peace with that. Some of you are like, yeah, when we were at the Moose, actually, when we were at the Moose, we had less people than we have now, but we had tables, so it looked more full. Anyway, okay. And I'm not talking about numbers. You don't know this, but I know this. I was telling Steve this maybe earlier this week, but we were... It's just so cool. You're not a common church. You might think you are, but we're not. We're the longest lasting church plant in the city of Lockport. Ever. Say, what about Parkview? That was a campus, not a plant. Those are not the same. We didn't come with resources and people. We came with prayer and hope and faith. We have outlasted the statistics of churches that plant and close. Most churches, is it 70? I think 70% of churches that are plants close in three to five years. We beat those odds. We're still here. We've seen many come to Christ. No, they don't all stay. Many don't. But that's not up to us. One day, God moves on my heart, and the town's doing a play, and the Lord says, try out for that. And I'm like, I'm in the last semester of my master's degree. We have a baby on the way. It's his second year of (laughs) planting a church, and we're doing so well at that point. (laughs) And the Lord says, do it. And I try out, and I have no clue what I'm going to get. And then I'm like, if I'm not a lead, what, this is a really big waste of time. And that play met some friends. And that friend came to us as a single mom. She married an awesome man of God, and they're the best youth leaders we've ever had. Yeah. Some of that mom brought some of you. (laughs) And some of those people are leading our kids' ministry right now. But it was stupid and uncommon. And the real hero of it was my wife, who was really pregnant and four kids at home and homeschooling and enduring with me. What God does with just steps of faith And I'm not touting me. If anything, I'm touting you. Be uncommon. Do what something is in your heart right now. Like God's saying, do this. 
and you're like, ah, or God's saying, don't do this. And you're like, ah, do it, go for it. What if I fail? Good, that's exactly where God wants you, that if he doesn't move, because when, when, when you'll fail, if God doesn't, guess who gets the glory? And it's so good. This past week, I sent out my sermon series. It's our next series, and it's our t-shirts for sale now. I'm going to start that series in two weeks called It Gets Better, though. Two weeks, you're going to hear all about it. And this fall, when we celebrate our seven years... I'm just going to tell it to you now because I can't keep it in. I'm so excited about it. Seven years of slaying giants. You are a David church. And maybe nobody would pick us out. And maybe seven other churches and seven other sons look better than us. And we're out in the fields just serving. But the Lord says, I have my hand on you. And watch what I do. Maybe no, but we're taking down giants. And we're never going to stop. Be uncommon, church. Let's stand together. And I know we prayed before, but we're going to pray again. I'll pray and dismiss you. But if you need prayer, you come on down and we'll pray with you. And I think some people in here, the Lord is stirring something in you that you're supposed to take a step of faith. You're supposed to do something. You're supposed to give a financial gift. You're, whatever it is, this is the word of the Lord for you today. Do it. Walk out of the boat. If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. Oh